Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. This is episode 33 of What Do You Got? Uh, We're a little bit late on this one. I started a new job. Things got hectic. We had to move things around. We were supposed to record in person today. I had to drive a bunch of places, so I wanted to record from home. So we are recording from separate places today, Rob and I. Uh, Rob, are you in the studio or are you in the house? No, I'm in the house. I wanted the the air conditioning. There you go. Yeah, good also, idea. it's it's like vaguely thunderstorming. So it is. I keep hearing thunder, but the skies are clear and it's a little creepy. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm just waiting for it to just crash really loudly. When I was in the city the other day, I heard the loudest thunder I've ever heard in my life. It scared the shit out of me. Oh yeah, we had a lightning strike on the the road up the little hill right here. Jesus, yeah, it's crazy. Um, all right, well, uh, we're gonna get right into this one. Uh, this is an interesting article I came across a little while ago. I've actually, I don't know if I told you this, Rob, I've been having trouble finding articles, things that I really want to do, things that I really want to pitch. I just haven't found anything that's kind of like gripped me a lot lately. Um, so I'm still on the search. So anyone listening, if you find some really good articles, please send them our way because we love to see things from fans as opposed to us having to do all the work. <laughs> um, or any of it any, or of, any the of the work yeah you know what you pitch the article you record it send it to us we'll post it that's that's how this yeah. is going to go from now on. if if i have to hit the record button i'm having a bad day <laughs> uh you hit the record button right rob Fuck. <laughs> <Dead balls. laughs> um okay so today's article uh is brought to you by faroutmagazine.co.uk uh, the title of this article is Keith Moon and Steve McQueen were once neighbors from hell. Um, this is a short article, very short. It's about five paragraphs. Uh, as always, it'll be linked in the description of this episode. I'm going to quickly run through this article. The first thing that I wrote down in my notebook as I was reading this was Keith Moon bit a dog. Um, and we're going to start there. So <laughs> for a... it's not the fact that I, I, I did not dwell on that portion of the article. <laughs> it's it so it bothers me for many reasons and and we'll get into that um but the biggest reason that bothered me this article is that steve mcqueen comes out sounding like a good guy it's just keith moon that seems to be the neighbor from hell um but you know what we'll let our fans make that decision themselves after we read through this yeah i mean (laughs) keith moon spent the entirety of the who's touring career destroying every hotel toilet like (laughs) It must have been some kind yeah. of vendetta. Like he would, he <laughs> would destroy with explosives every toilet of every hotel they were at. <laughs> when you said that, I just imagined he was having explosive diarrhea every time he sat on a toilet. <laughs> you no, know, he would just fill them with cherry bombs and M80s and shit. <laughs> and he's the original. Like, why is there a sofa and a television in the pool? Oh, look up. Keith Moon is emptying his room. What an absolute dick. Um, Okay, so let's get into this one because this could be fun. So for a period of time, the late duo of The Who's Keith Moon and Hollywood's Steve McQueen were two of the wildest men on the planet. 
when the two were neighbors in Malibu, and for some reason, I don't, this is off track, but for some reason, I always <clears throat> think Malibu is in Florida. And every time I find out it's in California, I'm immediately shocked. I don't <laughs> it, know why. It sounds like, it sounds like a Florida name. <laughs> it does. Like, right? Everywhere I, in California has very Spanish names. Yeah. Or very sort of hoity-toity names. I cannot place Malibu in California for some reason. My brain just won't do it. So for the longest time, I thought Iron Man was stationed in Florida. Um, but uh, It's because of the I taxes. Di- I digress. Uh, things were never going to be quiet, states the article. As the headline suggests, Moon and McQueen living in close proximity was an explosive experience and the human equivalent of dropping a pack of Mentos into a bottle of Coca-Cola or, in Rob's definition, destroying a public bathroom with cherry bombs. In 1994, The Who were firmly established as one of the biggest bands on the planet, and their drummer, Keith Moon, wanted to live the full rock star experience out in California. He treated himself to a luxurious pad out in Malibu. He was hell-bent on partying morning, noon, and night there. While his neighbor, the one and only Steve McQueen, might have portrayed himself on screen as this all-action, true American hero, he wasn't prepared to accept any of the bullshit that his new acquaintance had lined up for him. So Tony Fletcher's uh, biography of Keith Moon goes into detail about how Moon made the first impression uh, from hell after trying to invite McQueen to his housewarming party. Uh, The book quotes, somewhere in the middle of arranging the evening, uh, sorry, the event, Keith Moon walked the 50 odd yards next door to McQueen's. The intention was apparently to issue an invitation, Fletcher writes, but encountering only Chad, McQueen's 16 year old son from his previous marriage, Keith succeeded in antagonizing the boy to no end through offers of or requests for drinks and drugs. There were reports that Keith pushed into the house, that a fight broke out, and that McQueen's dog bit Keith, and Keith bit back. Certainly a confrontation took place, end quote. So being bitten by the McQueen's family dog wasn't the end of the story, however, and the actor used his endless resources to recruit a former ex-FBI agent to nip the matter firmly in the bud before Moon could wreak any more havoc. McQueen, who had arranged a sit-down meeting with the authorities, was greeted by Moon, who had bizarrely taken it upon himself to dress up in a fake Nazi uniform, again boasting my opinion of the fact that Moon is the only evil person in this story. There's (laughs) this weird period of the 70s and 80s where a bunch of rock stars were just kind of weirdly into the aesthetic of Nazism. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, not the the practice, but, like, the clothes and the symbology and, like, the... It reminds know, it must me. Must have been the coke. It reminds me very much of the uh, Matt Brongner joke, where he talks about like, "Say what you want about the Nazis, but they dressed fucking crisp." <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Who designed their costumes? Was it fucking? It was like Hugo Boss or someone. Yeah, he talks in his jokes in, in his bit. He talks about. It, he's like, "Oh fuck those guys! I want that jacket. God damn it." <laughs> Um, the clothing choice somehow didn't phase the actor as he had grown accustomed to seeing the drummer wear this offensive outfit on a regular basis. Despite the theater, McQueen ended the meeting victorious as Moon agreed to leave him alone. Although the Moon biography paints the relationship as somewhat cartoonish, McQueen's widow, Barbara, recounted a version of events which proved to be far less entertaining. She wrote in her memoir, Steve McQueen, The Last Mile, all about the difficult relationship with their percussionist neighbor. Quote, Keith's bathroom light shone directly into our bedroom and kept Steve awake at night. That would piss me the fuck off. Steve repeatedly asked Keith to turn it off. After the fifth time, Steve just grabbed a shotgun, blew out the light, and went back to bed. 
we never heard another word from Keith Moon, end quote. <laughs> the truth and reality likely lies somewhere in the middle of these two stories. Uh, while it would be somewhat typically Steve McQueen behavior to grab the shotgun and blow out Moon's light to put an end to an, all the shenanigans, that's precisely why it feels fabricated. The only clear conclusion from this story, evidently, is that Keith Moon and Steve McQueen were two personalities that should have never crossed paths. Now, what we're here to do is we are here to embellish the crap out of this thing yeah. and turn it into something fun. Um, did, did you read anything uh, else on the topic? Like, did you go looking for anything? I, I searched. I watched uh, the the video at the bottom of this interview. Did you find anything uh, anything interesting? Yeah, the, I, I read a piece of Newsweek about it. Okay, um, what is it? Was it the it same? Had, it had a bit more context uh, and a bit more about Stephen McQueen. Like, it, it had everything this article has, but it notes that this is in kind of a wilderness period for Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. where he became like kind of a social recluse. Well, this is uh, 1974, it says, right? So, yeah, yeah. this is kind of, I, I don't know a crazy amount about his repertoire, but I know he was big in the 60s, right? Or was it the Yeah, 70s? This, is, this is well after uh, The Great Escape and Bullet right. and things like that. During this period, Steve had, um, I, was, I found it interesting that his wife was quoted in this article because right. he was uh, dating Allie McGraw at the time. Um, hmm. Uh, the actress and model uh he had he had like grown out his hair and his beard and had started being like really shitty at the studios and like if you want me to read a script it's fifty thousand dollars oh god he, one of those. he was in like that actor period um and he just sort of made it known from the get-go that he didn't want to know keith moon <laughs> um like even just as a as a welcome to the neighborhood thing that he had keith and his girlfriend over for wine and it was just like, oh, this is not happening in the slightest. He's just <laughs> doing this because he's supposed to. Yeah. Um, and he was just kind of, he was like not a destructive neighbor, but he was like that neighbor who, you know, their, their houses were on the beach. Right. And if Keith's girlfriend, he felt was on part of the beach that was like in front of his house or even a bit, he would be like, hey, you got to move. <laughs> like, like he was just such a complete like recluse with long hair, just smoking dope with his model girlfriend. But yes, <laughs> the onus is far more on Keith. Very much so. At least, yeah, from these stories. And again, everything I watch of Keith Moon, like the interviews, even the interview at the bottom of this article, he just comes off as a bit of a prick. That's that's really all you can say. Yeah, he's not well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how how young did he die? He died. I know McQueen died uh, at 50, so not crazy. Uh, well yeah steve had a super super aggressive cancer but uh keith moon died keith moon died three or four years after this yeah he was 32 1978 yeah he um he was starting to get better like he actually put on weight for the first time in his life Mm. um but just all that catches up to i i do remember the last um last album he played on with the who uh he was kind of embarrassed that he had like a bit of a belly for the first time in his life uh (laughs) from not drinking yeah from uh, (laughs) from actually eating uh and not doing amphetamines all the time i mean you're behind uh, the drum set anyway so yeah he was sitting he was sitting on a chair and he had like the the uh the back of the chair facing towards the camera Mm -hmm. and they were shooting in like a junkyard and this is like the last photograph of keith moon and on the chair is just scrawled i guess it had been a prop or something uh not to be taken away (laughs) Uh, which is really weird for like the last time you see Keith Moon. That is creepy. That that yeah. that feels very much in tune with like Paul McCartney's Paul is Paul is dead, miss him type stuff. You know that whole yeah. that whole zeitgeist conspiracy. That feels very much in tune with that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, but that is the article. It's it's a short one, guys. I I literally read the whole thing, so uh, feel free to go <laughs> look at it and 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 go down your own rabbit hole as as Rob and I did to find a little bit more about these two because uh, it's an interesting story that that garners a movie to be made. Oh, sure does. Was that I'm trying to remember that what album that was? I think it was Who Are You, but that seems too obvious. Anyways, <laughs> um, so Nick, uh, it's it's a very interesting concept, and I'm intrigued to see where you take it. Uh, what do you got? All right. So, um, as we've discussed recently, we want to delve away from the articles specifically and come up with something new. So I tried to do that. As I was reading this, I got a glimpse into what this movie could be, which has already been done. You know, neighbor versus neighbor. It's been it's been done in romantic comedies. It's been done in regular comedies, dramas. Uh, the first one that comes to mind for me is Grumpy Old Men, um, because Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau uh, are two of the greats. Um, but I wanted to turn this into something else. I wanted to turn this into a horror comedy. And <laughs> at first I started thinking about maybe a psychological thriller, but I felt like it could be a little bit more wacky than that and a little bit darker. So the premise that I came up with is about two competing serial killers who live across the street from each other. <laughs> so it's the early 90s in a small town on the West Coast. And a man moves into a new neighborhood and realizes that he's living next door to a serial killer. The only problem he has with that is that he is also a serial killer. So the whole premise of the film is that the two battle for the territory and try to tally up their kills throughout the run of the film. The finale is that they're trying to kill the detective that is trying to uncover them. So it's the two of them basically racing to murder this detective before they become uh, arrested for their murders. Um, <laughs> My director of choice is Christopher Landon, who directed uh, Happy Happy Death Day and Freaky. Um, and Happy Death Day to you, of course. Um, my cast features three people. My two serial killers are Adam Scott and Dan Stevens. And my detective of choice is going to be played by Francis McDormand. <laughs> and the title of my film is Killer Be Killed. Is it Kill or Be Killed or Killer Be Killed? Killer Be Killed. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, I didn't realize that until you just asked, is it kill or be killed? And then yes, now it is. Um, <laughs> so it was kill or be killed, but now it's kill or be killed. Um, which I we really did it, like. guys. Th thank you for that. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's basically the premise I have because I want to brainstorm on this and become make it something uh, uh, a little bit wacky, a little bit dark. No, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. very dark. Um, it's going to be a dark comedy. Like There are going to be some seriously dark kills in this movie. And it's literally these two men. I was thinking about placing it in the summer of love, but I feel like that's been done a lot lately. Um, you know, with whether they're uh, not mockumentaries or documentaries, but like um, bio biopics uh, mm -hmm. or, or fictional biopics, like once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, uh. I feel like that's been done a lot lately. So I wanted to steer away from that. And I also wanted to keep it out of the eighties. The reason I wanted to keep it out of the eighties is because the eighties have been done so much lately. Thanks to Stranger Things and mm -hmm. it, Chapter One and Two, uh, the eighties has been. And I'm all here for it. I'm not. A, I'm not. You know, uh, disagreeing with it or, or offended by it. Yeah, the eighties uh, are great. Yeah, I love eighties nostalgia, but I really would love to see the nineties start kick in for that. Um, there's been a couple. We get, you know, Fear Street 1994. Uh, if you haven't watched the Fear Street trilogy yet, I'm screaming and raving about it online. So please do. <laughs> is is the new one out? 
Yes, uh, came out last night. I watched it the moment it launched. Last um, night, all right. That's yeah. that's the 1600s one, right? Yeah, it's it's Fear Street 1994, Fear Street 17, uh, 1978, and Fear Street 1666. Um, all right, I got to watch 66. It's it's very good. Uh, all three are, are excellent films. They really are. Um, so creative. Killing yeah. a person with a cake-cutting device is... Oh, God. Um you know the funny the funny story about uh, uh, part one spoiler alert when the character of Kate gets her head shoved through the bread slicer, um, the production company the the props department told the director that it couldn't be done that it wouldn't be logical and they tested that by putting a watermelon through the bread slicer and it worked perfectly and they stopped complaining and said okay let's do this yep <laughs> um. So, yeah, I, I think I, I really hope the 90s start having this kind of renaissance now that we're, you know, getting into the 2020s. Um, so I want to place mm-hmm. my movie in the early 90s, like 93, 94. Um, I love it. Yeah. And uh, that's that's basically what I got. So, Rob, why don't we hear what do you got? So um, the the obvious takeaway from that is that the there have been movies done kind of along these lines lately, uh, most particularly The Neighbors. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies, which I really enjoyed, with which, Seth which Rogen we've talked and, about uh, to an extent on this on this podcast, yeah. actually, by uh, uh, using check out if you and all them. Him. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, just about having a nightmarish uh, neighbor and dealing yeah. with it. Um, and then there's also kind of that other genre of like neighbors who are in a war with each other, and it's like a prank war mm-hmm. type of th- type of thing. Those have kind of been done, and that's the really obvious approach to this. So I started thinking about kind of putting a third leg on it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's that uh, my movie's called Aggressive Aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with director Todd Phillips. And my cast uh, is, and we kind of think it's just going to be this for a bit, is Emma Stone is a famous pop star. Uh, and Rafe Fiennes as a British Shakespearean actor. Oh, so he's uh, like a, um, he's like a uh, uh, Laurence Olivier. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, who have moved into this neighborhood and begin to clash with each other in the the style of personalities that we saw in the article. And we think that's going to be the whole movie. But then we kind of moved down the street um, and literally caught in the middle between these two people. And a smaller but nice house is a couple played by Damon uh, Waynes <laughs> and... Uh, I don't. I don't know why my note didn't save here. <laughs> uh, but the guy who played the, the dude who's definitely the Zodiac from Zodiac, uh, John Carroll Lynch. John Carroll Lynch. Yeah, uh, a couple played by David. Yes, a couple played by David Wade's and John Carroll Lynch, uh, who were caught in the middle as as these two <laughs> famous people go to war, um, and begin essentially sabotaging and performing guerrilla tactics upon the both of them. To get them the fuck out of this nice, quiet beach community. Are they trying to have the two celebrities be kicked out, or are they trying to get out themselves? They're trying to get the celebrities out of their nice, quiet beach community. Okay, gotcha. Um, because th- these movies are always like, oh, these two clashing personalities are right. are at war with each other. Who's going to win? Let's see what kind of shenanigans they get up to. And I'm vastly more interested in the concept of... Um, we really just want to walk our Shih Tzu. <laughs> and this Lady Gaga figure has, okay, that's a howitzer. I don't know what she's doing with it. There's a ham in it. Oh, no. 
<laughs> it's ham war. <laughs> just two. It's just a very nice, normal, quiet couple who have you know done okay for themselves in California and got a piece of beachfront property, and they're mm-hmm. still working a bit, but they're in their fifties now, and it's supposed to be a nice time for these nice gay couple. And here come the two most arched sons of bitches in Hollywood. Two very different kind of divas, one of the stage and one of the arena. Can I make one request? Mm-hmm. Instead of a Shih Tzu, I would really like to use a Brussels Griffins, which is the dog from As Good As It Gets. Because that of dog course. is adorable. He was, he was a charming little fellow. <laughs> um yeah, and so that's that's really the crux of what I'm trying to do is is subvert the usual neighbors or war trope because okay. I really don't wind up empathizing with either party in a lot of those movies at yeah. the end of the day because there are now, now there's normal people in the neighborhood and we never see those people right as open warfare is being practiced on in their your... fucking cul-de-sac. Yeah, right? Like, Jesus Christ, Todd, can you stop throwing those eggs? <laughs> mm-hmm. But Brian started it. Um, do you do you see your characters as literally one house, next house, house next to it? Like, three houses in a row? Yep. Or they, yep. they're just, okay. So they're not, like, just on the same block. They're literally one, two, three. Mm-hmm. They're stuck in the middle. Okay. And, um... Who is your director again? Uh, Todd, Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So these are two very different films um, mm-hmm. with very different directions. How can we pull this? I I see this going in kind of a Dexter way where we can still keep the killer aspect and just bring Absolutely. in the third the third house. So maybe the maybe it's not the detective that's our third character. Maybe we do have the 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 two the the couple of mm-hmm. uh, who'd you say Damon Wayans and John Carroll Lynch? Yeah, that's such an interesting couple. I love it. Um, you we use Damon Wayans and John Carroll Lynch against these two serial killers, and because oh wait a minute, what do you got? Wait a minute, <laughs> did you hear what I said? <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna head fake people twice. Okay, what do you have? So the the two mega we'll we'll keep the two mega stars on the block type thing, okay. And the nice gay couple in the middle who are extremely bothered by the both of them, right? That's subversion number one. Subversion number two is the couple in the middle are retired serial killers. Ooh. So you have John Carroll Lynch and Damon Waynes who are like, that's it. We're coming out of retirement to mess these two yeah. up. <laughs> and they are, and and they're a lovely couple. It's a nice home. They have yeah. guests all the time for tea. And it's like, yeah, in, their, in, in the 90s. So they're, <laughs> they they're hitmen. They're retired hitmen. They, they can be hitmen or do you want them to be like a pair of actual like serial killers? I don't know what's better. I th- Hitmen means that they could be a little bit more planned and methodical, mm-hmm. but serial killers just is funnier to me because yeah. especially just a gay couple of serial killers, like retired serial killers. Yeah. Just kind of like, yeah, we did that in our twenties and thirties. We're over it now, but yeah, <laughs> it was a different time. You know, things were kind of weird. The eighties weren't great for people yeah. like us and then the 90s were a lot better but there was there was a lot of tension you but know? i mean look at it now you have all these cameras and security cameras and door locks and mm-hmm. you know we we can't compete with that so we we, we closed up shop 
um we can do like a little flashback of like how they met each other and like they met each other as killers like going after the same girl or something like, <laughs> I love ted, it. like ted bundy style oh mm-hmm. so dark i love it um I, and, they're, and they're two like very different styles like i, yeah. I imagine david uh I, I can imagine David Wayans being like a very typical slasher. Like he has a mask and like a big fucking weapon. Yeah. And maybe John Carroll Lynch is like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do Zodiac. Like he leaves a lot of puzzles and shit. <laughs> like they're two completely ends of the spectrum. Like Jason Voorhees <laughs> and the Zodiac. But like John Carroll Lynch's handwriting is really bad. So Damon is like, oh, come on. No one's going to yeah. read that. He's not actually <laughs> very good at the puzzles. And that's why no one has solved them. Because there's really not a solution. They're there's, just not good there's puzzles. There's no planning. There's no planning or methodical like uh, like statistics to the pu- puzzles. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just like, wait, how are you? It's it's like a, it's like, it, it's a, um. Uh, you know, a, a, a maze puzzle without an end. Like there's, there's yeah. no way to actually get to the end. <laughs> yeah, he, he he gets so caught up in like the complexity of doing the maze yeah. <laughs> that he forgets that there needs I, to be like a solution at the end. I'm envisioning uh, David Dostomakian in uh, in prisoners when they go to the house and like every inch of the wall is just drawn in like puzzles, mm-hmm. <laughs> but none of them make any sense. <laughs> so like, which one, which one is like the letter A? What do you mean? <laughs> what like do you mean? he. <laughs> it's, it's all it's all theory with yeah. him. Like he, 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 he creates this cipher language but he forgets to pair it with the actual alphabet <laughs> like he puts so much effort into this incredibly like complex series of symbols and then and then and then damon's just like okay so where's the cipher and he's just like oh crap so well, we can't use this now. What are you talking? I spent hours on this. Just put it out. Just put it out. Just put it out. Okay. <laughs> and now it's imp- and now it's impossible to pair it with the alphabet because he made it too. He made it too complex. Yeah, yeah. he never actually did the uh, the yeah. cipher. Um, so we can use. Uh, I said Ray Fines because you want to do a Shakespearean. I like that. Can we can we switch just for one of my casts? Can we switch Ray Fines to Dan Stevens since he's still British? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we'll use Dan Stevens, and then you said Emma Stone or Emma Roberts. Uh, I had Emma Stone as the pop had star. Emma Stone as the pop star. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, so we use the two of them as so. Okay, so how do we do this? Where what's the head fake for the audience? How far in do we get before we flip it so the audience realizes? Oh, Emma Emma Stone and Dan Stevens are not the main characters. Mm-hmm. Like, how far I- in do we get to this? I mean, I, I imagine starting the movie on like this sort of like paparazzi fanfare as both of these huge moving trucks and like, you know, celebrity tour buses pull yeah. up to this neighborhood and they're getting off and they're unloading all this weird shit that they'd have in their mansions. And like throughout throughout this whole first like 10 minutes of the film, we definitely see the couple like, you know, standing on the other side of the, the cul-de-sac watching yeah. the movie. And have, but like just sort of over there mm-hmm. as, as we think the focus is going to be on those two celebrities um okay. and, uh, until we get to a turn i'm not quite sure how to do it yet you know what i see this as i see this as what if we add another level where mm. it's not that they're moving into the neighborhood they're moving here because they're filming a movie so they're only here for like six months or something like that oh that's better and that's then we better. have we have something where like the two the two mains are like do we just wait it out like they're gone in august do we just wait it out and they're like no i'm not waiting until august we're finishing this now okay so now <laughs> yeah now it's we think that these two headbutting celebrities on this big film project of completely different styles mm-hmm. the whole movie is going to be that 
and maybe it's going to be a mute cute and they're going to like, you know, be so opposite. They fall in love uh, throughout the course of pranking each other. And, uh, and then it becomes like, we are going to shut this fucking film down. Yeah. We're going to murder all the production assistants. So nobody gets their pages. (laughs) All the PAs, (laughs) the PA, the PAs. Oh God, Nick. Oh God. They're going to drop like fucking flies. (laughs) We have to have like, if, if James A. Janice ever does this on kill count, we need some type of, guinness book record for kills <laughs> james is gonna have to keep like a separate tally of the movie's kills in general and yeah. how many production assistants <laughs> list of pas only yeah um <laughs> it's just them sabotaging the movie well how do we sabotage the movie easy we just kill the crew <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh god we can have a lot of fun with when they decide like it's not enough yeah who can, yeah. Who can we kill that's always very important yeah. And they corner the prop master in the prop <laughs> warehouse. <laughs> you can pull kind of like a uh, like a Scream Three moment or something where like you think it's a you think it's a prop kill, and they're like, "Oh, that, those effects look really great." And then they notice that the guy's actually dead, like his head actually falls mm-hmm. off. It's like uh, is, Tropic Thunder. How did this happen? <laughs> where the hell's the prop master? <laughs> he's, just, he's, he's fucking folded in half <laughs> in the back of this warehouse. Rule number one: you don't touch anyone else's props. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, okay, so if it's Dan Stevens and Emma Stone, uh, it's a big budget, modern adaptation of Antony and Cleopatra. Ooh, Um, I love it. Yeah, because we can have a lot of fun with the props and the settings of that. It's basically Southern California, Antony and Cleopatra. It's this huge grand scale. uh, And she's she's literally she is um, she's like Lady Gaga, but I, I would say she's not talented or like maybe she is talented but she's not like she's not like gaga level but she's gaga Mm -hmm. level popularity you know definitely i I think it's i think it's that's probably like one of the one of the fake bones of contention that we set up between our our two false protagonists yeah it's like he's a very serious uh shakespeare actor and has done a lot of stage and has done very serious like paul thomas anderson movies and she's yeah. she's a pop star, and this is like the first real movie she's doing. It it very much reminds me of the movie. Um, I always forget the name of it, but the movie that Marilyn Monroe did with Laurence Olivier, um, the one that My Week with Marilyn is about. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember the name. Yeah, if Meg were here, she would she would scream it in a heartbeat. Yeah, um, <laughs> Marilyn Monroe, Laurence Olivier. The movie was The Prince and the Showgirl. Uh, um, yes, yes, yes. so like he's trying to like take her under his wing but she's out partying every night and she's mm-hmm. getting shit faced and stuff and she's got these parties in the backyard of her of her place and they're just going they're crazy ragers and like yeah there's damon, like a there's like a studio village basically set yeah. up like what the <clears throat> avengers do in georgia yeah exactly and damon waynes and john carroll lynch are sitting down to like a really nice pot roast yeah. and their little verdal doggy is like over in the corner taking a nap but the music is so loud the dog is literally bumping up and down on the floor yeah. there's there's like explosions at night because that's when they're trying to do the battle scenes <laughs> they're sitting there sipping their chianti and they're just like no it's fine it's fine. no we'll get past this um it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> and then one of them just snaps and is like, I'm not getting past yeah. it. And shucks a it's, glass of wine. <laughs> it's 10 minutes of, Oh, this is going to be these two celebrities going at each other on set and then falling yeah. in love. Then 10 minutes of oh, th- having this movie in this neighborhood is not great for this, this lovely this couple. Poor couple. And, and then, then, and then a hundred minutes of, Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. They are serial killers. <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. Notoriously unsolved, brutal murders. (laughs) At first they thought there was two serial killers doing two different styles and then things started happening at once and they're like, oh my God, it was one mega super uh, super killer all along. (laughs) No, it wasn't. It was a nice couple. It was a duo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let's uh, let's put together some kills, actually. How can we Mm -hmm. do this? Um, So you said uh, John Carroll Lynch was very like Zodiac style. What did you say Damon Wayne's was? I think on the far end of the spectrum, because you don't see it a lot with comedians and with yeah. black actors, I think he sh- he should be like a Voorhees style. Oh, like Michael an Myers. actual like slasher killer. Yeah, like an actual <laughs> slasher killer. Okay, the most important question there, as I stare at all of my Friday the 13th memorabilia, what kind of mask and what kind of weapon are we giving him? Because we are going ape on this, uh, on this idea of him being yes. like a zeitgeist slasher killer. This is this is the synergy that this fucking podcast lives for, everyone. Yes. I love this. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Hockey mask is out. Um, I'm trying to think of like what other kind of masks. We could do creepy. We could do, um, what's it called? Uh, Plague Doctor. Plague Doctor's good. Do, do you want it to be good and creepy or do you want it to be kind of stupid? I feel like it should be actually creepy. Okay. Um. Because I was like, if we're going to do stupid, he could wear a fucking lacrosse mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like a, it could be a hockey goalie. I guess that's similar to a lacrosse mask almost. Um, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's a bit less long. Um, let's see. Lacrosse masks. mask is there. I'm trying to think of what else. Like Maybe like, oh God. If it's sort of like, you remember that movie White Chicks? Yeah. What if Damon Wayans is wearing a, like a Marilyn Monroe mask? Oh God, where it's kind of blonde, like it's a little it, wig. it's a little bit the uh, the strangers or yeah, a little bit the strangers almost. Or I is that they wore the bags purge? on their head and shit. Was it which one was it the purge that they wore like masks, like like I, character masks or something? Yeah, I mean the pur- the purge has a lot of masks and it got yeah, the wildly out of control. Thinking yeah um could do that we could do something similar to like scarecrow where it's kind of like a burlap sack okay a little bit like creepier and stuff we could do an animal mask um pig's been done to death but we could do like maybe (laughs) a cow cow would not be threatening (laughs) a panda a panda mask interesting because it's kind of creepy especially if you do like a furry one or just the top of the face one like one that just covers the nose and um, and the eyes. Here, I'm I'm gonna send, our, send me a picture. I'm, I'm gonna send you a picture. And we can uh we can post this into the I'm the, so the description of the uh, of the episode. <laughs> this is kind of what I'm thinking. I just sent it on Messenger. Oh my god, that's horrifying! <laughs> oh my god, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. He's wearing a panda mask. And then, oh, you know what he can have? Uh, what is it? A croquet mallet? A croquet mallet is a good fucking idea. <laughs> it's just a huge wooden hammer and we're yes. crushing skulls. <laughs> so we have Damon Wayne's dressed up in a panda. He's got to be called, uh, it can't be the panda. It's got to be something like panda killer or. Uh... The bamboo smasher. Oh, the bamboo smasher. I love it. That's perfect. 
And then we have John Carroll Lynch, who I'm trying to think, do we put him in like a Zodiac mask where it's like, you know, the kind of the big bag. Um, oh, yeah. He just had a sack on his head, didn't he? Yeah. I bet a pillowcase. Ooh, a pillowcase. I like that. A black pillowcase, though. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I type in freaking like types of masks, I'm just getting COVID face masks now. And I'm like, right. I got to got to be a little bit more specific. Um, <laughs> COVID ruins the movie business again. <laughs> yeah. And he just uses no. like a um, like an he, army knife, you know, Yeah, it's just an army knife or a pistol or whatever. It's not like maybe it's a not slasher. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a garrote. Yeah, because he's he's way more about the follow up than he is about the actual murders. Which is funny because he he's definitely bigger than Damon Wayans. He's he, yeah, John Carroll Lynch is a big guy. So, wow, I had, I can't believe Damon Wayans is sixty. Right. I would have. So John Carroll Lynch is six foot three. Damon Wayans is six foot two. So they are actually similar in height. Oh wow, Carroll Lynch is probably a bigger guy. He might be 6'4". There's some contention. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, dude, well done. That's a great pairing. I, I don't know where it came from. I yeah. just like, I, I, I just thought, I thought like, what would, what would be a very pleasant image of two people on a cottage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I found them both pleasant. It just happened. Because they both, yeah, because they both can play like very sweet, gentle men. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, especially John Carroll Lynch can play absolute psychotic murderers. Yeah, he's very unsettling. <laughs> um, he's also very active on Twitter. While I was going through the West Wing, I, I I tweeted him about how like, hey, it's awesome to see my favorite character actor in a random episode of the West Wing. And he responded and told me what it was like to like film that day with like uh, with uh, Martin Sheen and stuff. I was like, yay. <laughs> that, is, that is outstanding. I'm jealous. <laughs> um, okay, so we have our killers. Let's get some kills. Mm-hmm. So how do they start? Because what what is our logic behind them not just going, okay, well, let's just kill these actors and get mm-hmm. it over with? I think John re- like secretly really wants to see the movie. Oh my God, that's hilarious. They, d- <laughs> they don't want to kill him because they're like, the movie kind of looks good. We should see this. Like, Plus it's filmed in our neighborhood. Yeah. Like- <laughs> If we kill the, the actors, we're not going to get the movie. If we fuck up production, then it's just going to shut down for a bit and, like, move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I still want to see this. I really <laughs> liked the one with Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> and I just think it's a good, it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, is it a modern retelling of uh, Anthony and Cleopatra? Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> but it's, 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 like, huge scale... There's yeah. still like, you know, there's armies and shit. It's like golden uh, age epic though. Yeah. Giant studios, Hail Caesar style. <laughs> and, 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 you know, they're just talking about it over tea and they're so pissed off and they're just like, it's ruining the fucking neighborhood. They're doing explosions every night. Yeah. They damaged one of the other houses down the street and they're only getting <laughs> token payment. I can't sleep. There's lights on all the time. The dog is pissing itself every day. <laughs> and then there's just quiet. And then like, but it's just such a good idea to combine golden age like I sword know. and sandal epics with a modern romantic telling you're combining two different kinds of scale and i haven't seen it before brandon you don't have to tell me twice okay yes his, his name is 100 percent brandon now <laughs> it's brandon and uh let's just go kyle yeah, brandon, kyle. Yeah, Brand- kyle you're preaching to the converted <laughs> i love it 
Um, so who do they kill first? Random so PA? first they're like, what's, you know, what's a way we can at least, we got to buy some time. We got to buy Is some it, time. You know to what it could be out. to start off? It, it might not even be buying time. It's let off steam. They're like, yeah. I got, I got to kill, man. I got to kill. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so it's like, all right. Uh, what's the most like populous common job on a film set? They look it up because they're not sure. They're like yeah. figuring it out. <laughs> Just beat same time production assistance. <laughs> so no, one of them says production assistance, and the other one just reads online and goes, "A pa, <laughs> pa, <laughs> yeah, pa." <laughs> it's like, a, like a set dad. No, no, uh, it says right here, "A pa." Is uh, they they get they help out by getting things and making sure they know where the actors are. Click on it. Click on the link, honey. Click. Production assistant. Yeah, yeah. What you said. What you said. <laughs> and this is our fucking cryptographer. <laughs> uh, okay, so we could do we could do a lot of different things for production assistants. When the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about PAs is getting coffee. I was just gonna say, can we kill someone scalding hot coffee? Do, yeah. Oh, oh. Okay. You know, that's like, like these really have nice. To be- these have to be gruesome kills. Like this is an yeah. R-rated piece for sure. Let's upend some motherfucker into one of those big brass coffee makers. Oh, like the ones like the baristas, has, like, the like yeah, hipster the baristas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they dunk him in, holding him up by his feet. Yeah, <laughs> this poor PA. <laughs> And then, like, everyone on the film crew just starts thinking, like, they're only targeting PAs. I don't want to work on this film anymore. And the producers are just like, no, these are unrelated in, uh, incidents. We're not, we're not going. Six of our PAs have been killed, Todd. And uh, we'll have a great segment at the end of the credits. <laughs> just make sure we remember their names, guys. Can you please write them down? Because uh, we need to make sure the families get the last check. And also, we need to put their names in the de- de- dedicated. <laughs> Uh, Steve was on that, and he's not here today. Uh, where is he? No, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> they put a PA in charge of cataloging the deaths of the PA. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, this is so, so fun. So we'll yeah, we'll boil someone in the fucking coffee maker. I assume I kind of want them to have coffee after. Yes. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's a very dark roast. <laughs> oh God, that's so gross. <laughs> um. Okay. We can also like a lighting guy or something electrocution. Oh, you hundred percent. Um, they all have to be, yeah, they all have to be involved with like sort of their jobs. Props guy can be killed with props set designer, like a table saw or something like that. Hmm. Um, Oh, you know, that really famous, uh, um, Buster Keaton thing, uh, where the set of a barn, collapses down and uh he's okay because yes, standing in the center of it or something right through the window yeah of yeah this collapsing barn we could do a homage to that where mm-hmm. the set designer's like holy shit I, I cannot fucking believe i'm still alive <laughs> and, and then, then they, dro- they drop another set on top of it yeah and then just the <laughs> other three i'll just can i'll just fall on him at the same time and he just gets crushed like a bugs bunny cartoon yeah yeah <laughs> It's bad. It's it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> the director is starting to get really frustrated, not because he's losing people, but because he's losing crew. <laughs> yeah, the the new pages aren't getting to the trailers. No one has any coffee. 
<laughs> which is which is an issue. We're getting up they, at like seven for some of these pickups. They lost a set. <laughs> yeah. So now, yeah, now it's like, all right, we're we're working with whatever we got. Now we got to rent houses. Yeah. And not build them. Uh, oh my god, they rent their house. Yeah. Ooh. I like they that. rent their house. They let them too. Yeah. It's the one. It's the one scene in the movie that does not have some kind of problems, just because they really want to watch it happen. Yeah, they're like, "Ooh, our house is going to be in a movie. This is great." <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So we have all these kills uh, throughout the movie, um, causing havoc. The movie is slowly but surely grinding its way there, and they have not succeeded in getting the production to move um, because it's just like. It's 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 not economically viable. It's cheaper for the producers to let people die than it right. is to halt yeah. production. Yeah, and get a new, and find they're a losing new place money every day. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it's the last day of shooting, and this is supposed to be for our killers. This is going to be their big day. It's the last day. They still don't want to kill the actors, so today they're going to kill the director. Okay, but. I think it goes wrong, and on the last day of shooting, they do kill Emma Stone and Dan Stevens. They accidentally do? Yep. So they never get their movie? No, I think it's the last day of shooting, so they can pull it oh, off. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, like, it's it's the one time in the movie where it doesn't go their way. Yeah, so they make a mistake. Mm-hmm. How are we killing Dan Stevens and Emma Stone? That's our question. Okay, so how are they planning to kill the director is question one. Um... What is a very grandiose way to kill a blockbuster director? Um, what if they take a clapboard and they sharpen it? That's a really good one. I think we should move that further back into the movie. Okay, that's pretty, so it's that's, not just that's quick. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a quick one. Um, I think they want to make a statement like as big as the movie itself with okay. killing the director. How did the original Antony and Cleopatra end? Well, uh, he stabs himself and she uh, gets bit by a snake on purpose. So we have to do something like that for those two actors. Um, yes. Apropos of nothing that the serial killers are doing. It just yeah. sets like a Rube Goldberg <laughs> machine into motion. She has a fucking snake. Okay. <laughs> She's going to be performing at the goddamn VMAs. And she has this massive fucking anaconda Lady Gaga snake <laughs> yeah like like Britney Spears had years and years ago a huge yeah. fucking snake that she's gonna perform with like doing sort of a, a like a song from the the upcoming motion picture Anthony and Cleopatra yeah um I I think definitely for her in homage to the actual Cleopatra death uh as a result of what's happening with the director the snake gets loose and straight up just swallows Emma Stone alive. <laughs> I love it. We and need no to one cast... saves her because they're focused on this horrible thing that's happening over there. We need to cast the director though. We do. Um, Keegan Michael Key. Sold. Done. <laughs> he just popped up on my screen while I was browsing IMDb yeah. for the movie. <laughs> it's it's all like a series of weird riffs. Like the Cleopatra actress is killed by a snake, but she's not bitten by it. She's fucking consumed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah. director of this film is not Jordan Peele. It's Keegan Michael Key. <laughs> 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 right. so that's yeah. That's what I think for him. I know uh, Anthony stabbed himself. So. so... 
very Final Destination-esque, maybe like one of the lighting rigs like breaks in half and swings down and just impales him. And he's just like swinging back and forth in this huge loop, like a carnival, like a carnival ride, just or, impaled at the end of this steel girder. Or two giant lighting fixtures uh, from either side swing down like a pendulum and smash him in the middle of it. Ooh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, and then we just need something for the director. What are we doing to What are we doing to Key? Yeah. What? Are, yeah. What are they trying to do to Key? And I don't think it works. They want to, they 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 have to want to like torture this guy, like actually torture. Mm. And it's got to be, it's got to be like big. It's 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 got to be the, like they're they're putting a period at the end of this sentence, and maybe for the first time, their methods, they they vehemently disagree about how to do it. Ooh, I like that where they kind of get into a tiff. Yeah, like this movie has wound up kind of ruining them a little bit. Hmm. I like that. So we have maybe uh, John Carroll Lynch wants to. He wants to tie him to like the big set piece. And uh, he wants to, I don't know, shoot off fireworks or something at him. Something like that. Yeah. So like, all right, it's the end of Antony and Cleopatra. It's the end of this relationship for all time and the, the collapse of Egypt and all this different things. So maybe yeah. they can be like, they're trying to do like this very ham fisted blockbuster metaphor. So like, as the movie's going to come to a close, this, this big statue like collapses and falls. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's uh, maybe that's Damon's idea is to just redirect the statue and have it fall onto the director but John Carroll Lynch wants something a bit flashier or maybe a bit more like mysterious. Like he wants people to be trying to solve something. Yeah. Yeah. And, like and he, Damon he really want, like, he, he wants yeah. unsolved mysteries and shit to be made out of this. Yeah. 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 Exactly. He wants a documentary about this specifically. And Damon's like, it's an epic. We, we crush him with a fucking statue. <laughs> that's, that's it. People don't have to ask questions about like everything that we do. <laughs> like I love, like I love watching the investigative murder porn with you. <laughs> I do. But like every, everyone doesn't have to be that. It can be, it can be a, a, a statement. It doesn't have to be a question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, what are you talking about? This is our final mark. We're going back into retirement after this. This has to be something big. Yeah. So what does he want it to? So, because Damon is saying just crush him with like a statue. Yeah, yeah. Just to, during the finale, just having him like, oh. And maybe John Carroll Lynch. Hmm. Okay, so let's 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 think Zodiac here. He wants to, or or do we go jigsaw? He wants to put him in like a room where there's a puzzle to solve. Okay, yeah, I like that. He wants to like put him in one of the rooms on the set, and there's like a puzzle that he has to solve to get out. There, yeah, there's like a pyramid set. Yeah, and, and like at the center of it, he's made like a, a tomb type thing. And, and he Damon, wants it to be, and Damon yeah. is literally like, "Why do we want to give him the chance to get out? That doesn't make any yeah. sense. No one's gonna see it." <laughs> No one's yeah. gonna see it though. <laughs> They're just gonna find him later and be like, "What happened?" <laughs> and that's like, who you know, who who the fuck is that good for, Brandon? <laughs> I that's love good it. for 
Brandon. <laughs> and who else? Hmm, Brandon. <laughs> you are so fucking selfish. I wanted to get a second dog, and you said no. <laughs> it's going to take too much attention away from Cosette. And when <laughs> <laughs> dog's name is Cosette. <laughs> and I said fine. Cosette has Brand- a little fossil in the clouds, and she's yeah. the only thing we care about. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, I think we have a movie. Yep. I can't think of anything else. <laughs> and they both try to do those, and just the Rube Goldberg machine goes off. Yeah. And these two megastars are dead. <laughs> and just coda of the film is they go and see it in theaters and they're like, eh, it didn't mesh well. Yeah, the ending is them literally being like, mm, I thought it was gonna be better. <laughs> but did you was, see our living room? <laughs> it was it was like it was like two, it, it was just like watching two movies. Like if I want to watch two movies, I'll watch two movies. Yeah, they didn't blend it that well. Like you think yeah. it would lead itself to like a modern day retelling, but nah, I just I didn't see it as they're walking yeah. out. It'll it'll do well. It'll do well. Everyone else is sitting there as the dedicated to and it's a list of people it's dedicated to. It's, it's like, like when you get to the end of a Kickstarter scrolling. project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just scrolling past all of those names. Just big name, big name, slightly smaller name, slightly smaller name. No name, wall no name, of no tiny name, names. No, yeah, wall no name, of no, tiny name, names. no name, no name, no name. <laughs> I, I like it. this movie. This is so good. We have to write this one. I think this is another one we have to do. Oh god, the list is growing. <laughs> it really is. We should start on one. Yeah. Um, awesome. This was great. Uh, uh, title. We gotta. We gotta do the title. Can we stay with Killer Be Killed? Um, yeah, honestly, it was it was it was lightning in a bottle. Yeah, I think we we both struck gold on that one because we didn't even mean to. Um, is there yeah. a comma? <laughs> is there a comma? That's a good question. Killer, yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. Um, watch this is what like breaks up our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> is there a comma? No, there's not a comma. <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, I I think. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if you guys are listening to this episode right now, it probably is going to post today, uh, which is the 17th on a Saturday. We usually would just wait till Thursday, but since we missed a week and a half due to a bunch of different scheduling things, I want to get something out for everybody. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Say this one can post today as soon as we get it edited and stuff. So look for it tonight. I don't know why I'm saying that because if you're listening to it, look you for it in it. your present, <laughs> look for it in your present. Um, this uh, article, again, was from faroutmagazine.co.uk. Uh, we will link that in the description of the episode. I will also link the the panda mask that I found just because it's terrifying. I really don't like it. It's, it, it, it has a very <laughs> sinister bent to it. It's almost yeah. raccoon-like. It is. It very much is. Um, guys, thank you again for listening. Uh, this is episode 33, I believe. Is that what I said? Yeah, 33. Uh, if you have ideas, as I set up at the beginning... I've been having trouble finding articles. If you find articles you want us to pitch, read, do whatever, please send them our way because uh, we love pitching things that you guys find. It's it's easier on us. And uh, <laughs> we both can come at it from an interesting place. I think this one blended really well with uh, both of our stories um, coming into play. I, I, um, I'm going to give entirely the credit to John Carroll Lynch just because I had him in a normal role in the moment you said serial killer. <laughs> like the whole movie just wrote itself from <laughs> Anytime you say serial killer and John Carroll Lynch, you know you got an Oscar winner. I mean, come on. (laughs) I'm going to tweet this one out. If by any chance you happen to listen to this, John Carroll Lynch, just remember, 
You're one of my absolute favorite actors. And thank you again for responding to my tweet that one time. Um, follow us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, email, uh, WDYG podcast at gmail.com. WDYG podcast and what do you got on Facebook? Unfortunately, the handle for what do you got and WDYG podcast is taken on Instagram. So we're still trying to figure that one out. And we're not going to buy it. No, we're not going to buy it. And the thing that sucks is both of those handles are not in use. I wish I could reach out to Instagram and be like, can we take these, please? Yeah. Um, but I don't exactly know the the logistics of how that works. Uh, but other than that, I think that's all I've got. Yeah, he said the thing. I said part of the thing. <laughs> he said, God. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> well, guys, until next time, uh, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that is what we got. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Weiss.